from Ringler, this is Ringler Radio, a podcast where we keep you current on the latest news from the settlement industry, updates on nationwide litigation, trends in the legal and insurance industries, and everything in between. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. So when it comes to objective settlement solutions, the consultants at Ringler are your go-to experts. Hello, Ringler Radio fans. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Matt Ross. From time to time, we like to update our listeners on legislation or issues that can affect the settlement industry. Today, our guest is Towner French, a lobbyist at the firm Cozen O'Connor. A few weeks back, Towner hosted members of the National Structured Settlement Trade Association for a two days to make a difference campaign. We discussed what happened on Capitol Hill and the current issues that are top of mind within the industry. Let's listen in. Towner French, welcome to Ringler Radio. Matt, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you you having me on today. Oh, it's so great to have you uh, here on the show and also to see you again. I know we met yes. a couple weeks ago in D.C. Uh, at the National Structured Settlement Trade Association's Two Days to Make a Difference. Uh, we were basically uh, flown in. We met with, what? Two dozen or so Congress folks. We ran you ragged over a course of three days. I think oh. seeing everybody on Capitol Hill, man. And I'm a, I'm a Type A extrovert, right? And so that was my jam, going meeting to meeting, talking about important issues, sitting down with folks. But boy, was I exhausted at the end of it. I have so much respect for you and what you do. And you know, you're going to tell your our audience obviously what you do. But being a lobbyist on Capitol Hill is no joke. Absolutely. We, uh, we get some uh, miles logged uh, during those visits, for sure. <laughs> Seeing uh, dozens of members of Congress and staff um, telling them about the structured settlements industry uh, as you're with, with that fly-in. And so uh, I think we had a heck of a lineup of, of members of Congress. We saw uh, both the chairman and ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw the Senate Finance Committee members, uh, senators from across both sides of the aisle, uh, on structured settlements issues. And, and I thought it was an extremely productive three-day uh, experience. I'm really glad that, that, uh, that the coalition members were able to come into town and, and take the time to do that. Yeah. So for our audience, could you uh, briefly give a background sure. of what you do, how you're connected with the National Structured Settlement Trade Association, or we'll say NASTA for short. NASTA. That's kind of its own yeah. little acronym. Um, and and uh, yeah, kind of what... Uh, yeah, why we were in D.C., really. Absolutely. I, just a little bit on my background. I worked 15 years in the House of Representatives uh, for various members of Congress, House leadership positions, uh, and about eight years ago decided, all right, that was enough government service for me. I'm going to do a little bit of, of lobbying work and uh, came downtown. I've been with Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies for the last two years, and okay. I do lobbying work. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty simple. We go take clients up to see members of Congress, to, to the administration, uh, to visit with, with the agencies as well, uh, and all on policy provisions. So we, we have an agenda through those meetings. And in this particular case, uh, we were there advocating on behalf of structured settlements uh, and saw all the members of Congress that we needed to uh, that really have a jurisdiction over, over the issues that, that affect structured settlements and Thank you again for being willing to come up. Not only did I enjoy the conversations with you, but also I think we had a heck of a lot of impact uh, in talking to members of Congress who don't hear about these things nearly as often. And so so it's good to, to do a check in from time to time for sure. 
Absolutely. Well, I really appreciated the opportunity. And while it was a, a very great time meeting everybody, like I said, man, you put in your steps. I mean, 25,000 <laughs> steps a day, office to we're, office, going around. Yeah. We're just shy of Disney World on the amount of steps that you're getting on a day. <laughs> Is that the average? <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. And I unfortunately know that average as well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Anybody yeah. with kids, uh, yeah. two young kids, has uh, had that experience probably of logging some steps. So Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're so you're on Capitol Hill, and you're surrounded by all of our representatives in America, and you're in the mix of the issues that's going on. I mean, it, it's it's nonstop. But regarding the settlement industry, one thing we like to do is we like to give updates periodically on Ringler Radio of what's going on on Capitol Hill with the settlement industry. So I was hoping you can give everyone kind of what those issues that we're kind of talking about as an industry to our representatives at the end of the day. Happy to, happy to. And, you know, it's there's a lot going on on Capitol Hill right now. Uh, for, for everybody who's going really? to listen to this, obviously, <laughs> we're yeah. in the throes of, uh, of the debt ceiling negotiation that's going to go on over uh, the next yeah. uh, four to six weeks or so. And, uh, you know, we're facing financial ruin and all that stuff. But Great. You know, we were there <laughs> to talk about structured settlements. That was what we were there to talk about, which holds two places in the tax code, section 104 and section 130 of the tax code. And it's been around for decades. Uh, the ability to have a structured settlement be treated as tax exempt, as tax free, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. there is a physical injury. And that's something that um, obviously the entire structured settlements industry has been has been living with for, for a number of years. The problem uh, is, and, and the reason we were up there, and thank you for again for coming, is that we want to talk about those non-physical injuries uh, mm. that become taxable because you can't see a bruise, because you can't see a mark on an individual. So you go through the court proceeding, there is a settlement, is a structured settlement, and if it's non-physical, then, then the individual has to pay taxes on that entire structured settlement. Yeah, you know that you know that issue all too well, and uh, relaying that to members of Congress, I think, is absolutely critical as we try to expand that tax-free nature uh, to individuals who are severely affected, but at the same point in time, may not show a physical injury. No, you bring up an excellent point. I mean, there was a story that was kind of circulating around um, our group uh, that we were talking with the uh, members of Congress with. It was there was a, a bridge collapse in Florida. A few years ago, and there were um, there was a, specifically, I believe, a pair of brothers. If I'm getting this right, um, yeah. where one uh, they were in the front driver's seat, passenger seat. One of them was crushed in the driver's seat, and but the brother that was in the passenger seat was unscathed. It That's just right. happened to be kind of just smashed right in that middle, and he had to. He was trapped. He was physically trapped in the car for hours mm -hmm. with his brother who unfortunately is no longer with us smashed right in front of them. That is a serious effect on someone's psyche and, and, and just person, personnel, everything. I mean, your whole world shot and changed after that fact, but because mm -hmm. that individual in that pasture seat was unharmed, any settlement dollars that are coming to that individual are taxable. That's right. That's right. And I remember that incident very vividly. I, I used to work for a member of Congress from South Florida as part of my my circle through a, a number of different congressional offices. And and that pedestrian bridge collapse uh, mm -hmm. a number of years ago, it was a horrible thing on the, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was on the Florida International University campus. Yes. Um, but uh, but it was a it was a terrible situation. But I think it's a perfect illustration, as you bring up, of the difference between the tax-free and the taxable uh, in the structured mm -hmm. settlements world. And, and I don't know 
you know, we went in and talked to a number of members of Congress and staff, and I don't think we can look at them with a straight face and say that the brother who survived, who did not have a mark on him, was not affected strongly uh, by that incident. And and it's tricky. I think I think you know some of the things we've been talking about here are very tricky, especially as it relates to sexual assault. Uh, mm-hmm. injury that comes as a result of, for example, the wildfires in California. So you may not have actually physically been injured, but, you know, we all saw the videos of the people who who thought they were losing their lives as they're driving through a tunnel of fire. And thank God, you know, most of them uh, made it out yeah. uh, and survived and were not physically injured, but they are still today receiving settlements as a result of, of the, the tragedy that happened there. And, you know, it, you look at these two things, you look at the difference between the physical injury and the PTSD that we now have the ability to have a clinical diagnosis of. This is not two decades ago where we just say, oh, you know, it's a, what we used to describe it as shell shock more than anything right. else coming out of the military. And, uh, you know, we have the ability now to have a clinical diagnosis with an actual MD, with an actual doctor. Uh, and the game has changed. This is not the pain and suffering settlements uh, that can be astronomical theoretically in a jury trial that come on top of the actual injury award. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the injury awards here that are that are taking place uh, related to directly PTSD issues uh, in numerous different cases. And so right. that's what we were there to talk to members of Congress and staff about. And, and I'm glad you were there to help walk us through it uh, a little bit more. None of those members and staff, they see me every day. They want to hear from real people, Matt. They want to hear yeah. from you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, about- they keep saying, yeah, they, I, want, I want to meet real Americans. Like, you're no. not a real American? No, you are. No, just, no, no. Yeah. If you're in the bubble of Capitol Hill, you are not a real American. You have no frame of reference to be able to talk about any issues. Uh, but that is why it's critical that people do come to D.C. and engage in those meetings because it gives everybody a, a you know sort of a grounding nature of like this is this is really happening right now yeah. and and in this particular case there are so many people who are severely injured mentally who are not receiving the full benefit um, that they could under a structured settlement because of the taxation yeah let's spend some time right here on this particular instance because with PTSD, it's not something that you can see. You can right. see the effects of it. And you mentioned that, hey, it has to be diagnosed by a medical doctor. It's not like you're going to get a mer- medical marijuana card and, you no, know, I have headaches no, or glaucoma no. or what have you. It's yeah. measurable stuff. Because I know that that was kind of one of those feedbacks that we were receiving from the members of Congress mm-hmm. while we were having, like, because they're on edge right now. Like you said, debt ceiling, um, you know, that keeps going up. And, uh, you know, we're not really sure how we're going to, deal with this amount of outstanding debt that we have here in the United States. And so they're a little sensitive around giving out another free pass, so to speak, to something that's there. But I I don't, I I really didn't get the impression that people were really against the fact of trying to help people that have been injured. But I I guess maybe you can go more into detail. Like you say that we have these things, but like what, how are we measuring this? Right. How, how can we really make sure that, it's not just someone claiming it, but it's actually being measured and there's actually an indemnifying aspect to their loss that they have to get. Sure, sure. And that's why we're working so closely with the members of Congress and, by the way, with the IRS. Mm. Uh, we're continuing conversations there because there has to be documentation. There has to be that verification that takes place as a result of this because – 
we're not in the business, as you mentioned, of the medical marijuana cards where I can just call somebody and they, got, you know, <laughs> here, let me put you through to a doctor real quick. Uh, how's your eyesight? It's bad. Okay. We'll send you the card in the mail sort of thing. This is not, this is not that. And I'm not bashing that necessarily. Right. Just right. Saying, Obviously. This is, yes. This is not that. It's a higher uh, bar of uh, proof, burden of proof, right? Yeah. Much higher bar. And especially as we're talking about revenue, I mean, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. If we had such a low bar, Congress, the the CBO and the Joint Committee on Taxation, the Congressional Budget Office and the Joint Committee on Taxation would score this, would say it would take away so much revenue from the federal Mm. government that it would be too expensive to pass, actually. So we have to have those safeguards in the legislation where we have a clinical diagnosis. There are, you know, these guardrails that that mean that just those who are actually severely injured and then receive the structured settlement would be eligible for the tax-free nature of this. Similar, you know, it was an easy way years ago for the IRS to make a determination. If you have a physical mark on you, then it's tax-free. That it's defined. Right. Straightforward. You know, yes. We, we can see it. It's tangible. Um, on this, it's not as tangible, but we know it's just as real in many cases. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Okay. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because the other thing we were talking about on Capitol Hill was ABLE accounts. And Absolutely. it depended on the people that we were talking with, but could you go over what an ABLE account is and the act that's it's represented and kind of what how that relates to structures in the settlement industry specifically? Absolutely. So ABLE accounts, I actually was very privileged to work on when I was still on Capitol Hill. And I left and, oh. and went downtown uh, when I when I finally it got passed uh, at the end of 2013. And I was I was it was my sort of capstone bill, if you will, uh, that cool. I worked on on Capitol Hill. And then I said, t- that's it. I'm out of here. I've done 15 years. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to be off of the government uh, payroll and uh, and do something a little bit different. It's actually over my shoulder right now. For those who oh yeah, see I it, see it right there. Yeah, Bill uh, on the on the wall there, signed by President Obama, and and uh, we did a big event in the White House with Vice President at the time Biden uh, actually, and so mm-hmm. uh, it was a it was a really neat experience to to be a part of that uh, many years ago now, uh, ten years ago. I can't believe it, but. Jeez, yeah. um, but the ABLE Act sets up a 529-like, uh, we call it 529A in the tax code, uh, 529-similar account for individuals with disabilities. And, and the original parameters were that you would have to have the disability prior to the age of 26. Uh, and it sets up an account that individuals can put money in. So it can be family members, grandparents, you know, it can be friends, uh, your favorite uncle, anybody can put money in for individuals who are severely disabled because those individuals with disabilities so severe, they have to be on government programs. They have to be on social security disability insurance. They have to be on Medicaid. The health Mm -hmm. payments, the consequences are are too great. They can't go off of those government programs because they can't get health insurance in the private market. Uh, If you have Down syndrome, you know, you're just not getting covered. And and it's I'm not trying to make a political point one way or another. Uh, We've been through those battles on Capitol Hill as well. It's just a fact of of the way our economy is structured, that you're not getting access uh, to, in many cases, extremely high paying jobs. You're not getting access to uh, health insurance on a private market that's affordable. And so you have to take advantage of those social safety net programs that the federal institutions have had in place for years uh, to take care of just these types of individuals. Um, And Mm -hmm. the problem is it has an asset cap. 
And usually that asset cap is around $2,000, which means that if you're a, a young man with uh, Down syndrome or woman with Down syndrome, you can't have more than $2,000 in assets or you lose your government benefits. Yeah, and so, low. so as a result, you make yourself poor, very yeah. poor, less than 2000 in assets. And you're dissuaded from work. Yeah, You're dissuaded from all those things. In fact, if I can go off on a tangent for one second, uh, Matt, I was in a uh, I was in uh, doing a tour of a Walgreens facility in, in Connecticut. Uh, this would have been 2012, probably. And I met a young man, probably about 24, 25 years old with Down syndrome. And he was described to me by the executives at Walgreens at, as their number one employee. He was by far their best employee, worked in this distribution facility. He was the most productive. I don't care if it was an individual with disability or without a disability. He was their top employee in this facility. And the problem, as I ended up talking to him for about 25, 30 minutes, the problem he had always had, and he had tried to work jobs before, was that they were all based on workstation numbers. And he cannot read numbers. It is a a factor of his Down syndrome that Mm. he's just not good at identifying numbers. They switched his workstation to Green Frog. He's their number one employee. Uh, he had been let go from like multiple opportunities before that. Unbelievable the number of the station. But that being said, he was the prime candidate for an able account because he can work, he uh-huh. can put money into that able account, so he can actually uh, invest in his own able account up to the gift tax limit on an annual basis. In addition to that, he can use those able dollars to pay for transportation to and from the workplace. He actually got an apartment on his own so he could live independently uh, and he can pay for any associated costs that go into that as well. And so uh, for him, I asked him, you know, I said, what did you do before this? And he said, I sat on the couch and I played video games for the last four years. And I thought that Mm. is probably one of the saddest things. This young man who had so much potential that he was finally realizing and because of asset caps, he was not realizing it. So the ABLE accounts changed the game plan. There. Opens the playing field. Yeah, absolutely. So, how does, so, so yeah, for someone with Down syndrome that they're born with it, they may not necessarily be getting a settlement. Mm-hmm. What about for the settlement world and how that kind of affects the ABLE account and how that's connected together? Sure. Similar to injurious uh, structured settlements, which are tax-free, ABLE accounts are also tax-free and can grow tax-free. Uh, The IRS has agreed to that, meaning there's transferability between structured settlements and ABLE accounts. So when an individual who has a physical injury gets that tax-free structured settlement, they can they can do some interplay with an ABLE account up to that gift tax limit on an annual basis. However, the Social Security Administration has clearly said that any sort of money coming from a structured settlement, even a tax-free structured settlement into an ABLE account should be viewed as a benefit payment. That's not good. And the reason mm. that's not good is because it voids that asset cap. Yeah. You get over the $2,000 and all of a sudden you're falling off of the SSDI rolls that you desperately need uh, to be able to live your life. And uh, and so we have a battle to fight there. So that's another thing that we were talking to members and uh, members of Congress and staff about. Our hope is that the Social Security Administration can change this on their own. This should be something that they can they can alter uh, their regulations. Policy change. Yeah, policy change. Yeah, We shouldn't need a a big bill or anything along those lines to get this kind of thing done. This is a no-brainer. But we do need to put pressure on the Social Security Administration, especially from Congress, uh, to identify that this is an urgent problem and to make that change. And that's why you and, and the NASTA board being in town was a was a critical component to that effort. Okay. 
Well, I know we can, you and I can talk about this for the next day, two Absolutely. days about these two topics specifically, but unfortunately we are out of time. Absolutely. But for our audience that is curious to know more or they want to get involved in the conversation or frankly, get more information, what can they do? Who should they reach out to? Can they reach out to you? Tell Absolutely. us about that. Absolutely. They can reach out to me. I will say this. NASTA is an incredible resource for all these issues and so many more that we didn't get a chance to talk about mm -hmm. uh, and that we were addressing with members of Congress and staff over over course of a couple of weeks ago. Um, however, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, I'm more than happy to talk to them about these issues. Obviously, I hope you can tell I'm very passionate about these issues uh, from a lobbying uh, side. I want to get up there. I want to talk to members of Congress. I want to bring local folks to members of Congress who have an identification with these issues so that, so that we can justify the urgency of the need there. Um, Towner French is my name. I work for Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies and tfrench at cozen.com is my email address. Please feel free to reach out. We'd love to get everybody into the into the battle here as we uh, as we work to hopefully make things a little bit better for folks who have gone through traumatic experiences. Yeah, and folks, Towner's being very very shy. He he also has a podcast that he hosts. Uh, ah. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll make my shameless plug. I appreciate it. Uh, on on behalf of the individuals at Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, we do a podcast called the Beltway Briefing. Uh, we put it out uh, generally over the weekend. We record it on Friday morning, so you're going to hear a lot about all the goings on behind the scenes on Capitol Hill and the administration for the week prior, the week coming up. You can find it on just about anything. I think I listened to it on SoundCloud, if memory serves, but uh, uh, you can. it's widely uh, uh, put out there. So I highly recommend if anybody is, uh, is interested in the scuttlebutt behind the scenes on Capitol Hill, feel free to give us a listen for 30 or 45 minutes uh, every week. That'd be great. Excellent. Towner, thank you again so much for being here today. We appreciate your insights. It's my pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Before we go, if you're a fan of Ringler Radio, be sure to like and subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms and follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. We'd also like to thank our Ringler Radio sponsors, American General Life Company, Matt Life, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, Prudential, and USAA. For more information about structuring a physical injury or non-physical injury settlement, contact your local Ringler consultant by locating them at www. RinglerAssociates.com. Ringler Radio is a production of Ringler Associates. All of the opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not represent any legal, tax, or financial advice from Ringler Associates. For more information about how to work with Ringler, visit www.ringlerassociates.com.